we are here today to worship Jesus, to talk about things that Jesus talks about, to be encouraged and to be enlightened from God's word. And we're start, starting a brand new series today called Money Talks. And we're going to spend three weeks talking about money. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Let me pose a question for you to get this thing rolling as we think about Money Talks. What would money, money say if money could talk? What would money say if money could talk? I think it would begin by saying, ooh. Think about that one for just a minute. Now, depending on whose money it is, your money may say something that somebody else's money may say. Some of you, your money says, spend all of me on hunting. Some of you, your money says, spend all of me on Amazon. Some of you, your money would say, spend all of me on a bass boat. Some of you, your money would say, I'm lonely. Some of you can't hear your money because it's saying somewhere else, you gave me away for that. Money talking is not normal, but talking about money is normal. Here's what I mean. We talk about money every single day. Um, we do it at work with budgets and with Paychecks, we do it at lunch. The person says that'll be $9.83. Will that be cash or card? At home, we do it all the time. It sounds something like this. Hey, Mom, I need money for the fill-in-the-blank. And the blank never, never ends. Am I right? It just keeps coming over and over and over again. In, politi in politics, they say, hey, let us tell us what we'll do with your money. And at church... We need to be talking about this topic, this thing of money, and today we want to begin what is hopefully a helpful conversation about money. Jesus and the scripture talk a lot about money, and I kind of feel like he has earned the right to speak about every area of our life, including our money, for a lot of reasons. He created us, he loves us, he died on the cross for us. I kind of think he gets to speak into every aspect of our lives. And so it's our heart and our mission here at Holland Chapel to help people find and follow Jesus and what we do with our money, how we interact with our money, how we treat our money definitely has to do and is a part of our following of Jesus. Let me tell you some things we want for you as we begin these money talks. We want you to be less stressed over finances. We want you to save for retirement. We want you to save for your kids' education. We want you to pay cash for your next vacation. Some of you are like, what's that? We don't want you fighting over money, especially in your marriage. We don't want you divorcing over money, and it happens all the time. We want you to be free financially. We want you to enjoy life and do good things with your money. We want you to do more than just living from paycheck to paycheck. We want you to live with margin and on mission. Now, for some of you, as we begin these three weeks together, some of the information we're going to give you is going to be brand new information, and you're going to have to process it, and you're going to have to think about it, and you're going to have to decide to go after it and do it. And if that's you, man, I hope that we can encourage you with some new things that will help you. For a lot of you in the room, some of the things we're going to talk about, the principles and the teachings, they're going to be reminders. They're going to kind of like help you redirect the course. Maybe you've kind of gotten off a little bit over here, a little bit over there, and you need to redirect just a little bit. There's some of you in this room, though, you are nailing it with your finances right now. I'm serious. There's a few of you. You're really just like you're focused. 
you're, you're generous, you're saving, you're just doing everything in a biblical way. And here's what I'm asking for you, from you over the next three weeks. I'm serious. I'm asking for you to pray for the rest of the people in the room. And I mean that, not in a condescending way, but if right now you've just got these principles down, you're like, yep, got that one, check. Yep, got that one, check. Pray for the other people in the room because there are other people in this room that haven't figured it out yet or haven't decided to do it that way, and they are stressed to the max. So would you pray for those other people? I believe that God's wanting to do some work on our hearts, and our hearts are definitely attached to our money. And he wants to change our lives. And I believe as he's speaking into our finances that God's wanting to change our lives, change our children's lives, and impact the kingdom of God. Every time we talk about money at church, there's always people in the room that think, ah, here we go, church needs more money. They're not really hitting budget right now. And so the pastors are going to get up and they're going to talk about giving and make us feel guilty so that we'll give more. I just want to encourage you to know that we are coming off of 2000 and 2000 excuse me, 2018 and 2019, both of which were record-giving years in our church. So there's a ton of generosity in this church, and you can celebrate that, amen. So a ton of generosity in this church. We just want to speak into this area of your life and encourage you from God's word. So let's take just a minute and look at what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. Today we're going to talk about less is more. Less is more. More. Everybody say that with me. Less is more. Less is more. Next week, Nick's going to be preaching, and he's going to preach about this truth that stress is bad. Everybody say that with me. Stress is bad. And then in week number three, we're going to look at giving is good. Everybody say giving is good. So, y'all kind of got quieter on that one. Did y'all notice that? The first two were louder, and the last one was quieter. Uh, less is more. Stress is bad. And giving is good. Well, today we want to talk about Less is more. I know how you're programmed because you grew up in the same culture and environment pretty much that I did. In our culture and environment, especially um, from all of the powers that be that are trying to get things from us, have programmed us to think that more is always better. In other words, if one dollar is good, two is better. If one car is good, two is better. Uh, It's kind of funny I say that today. That was pre-planned. One of our cars wouldn't start this morning. And so I had to run back and get my family. And so today, actually, two cars were better. Um, If one kid is good, four would be better. (laughs) At least on most days. If one Reese's cup is good, 42's got to be better, right? All right, I got you going on that one. It's this idea that if one is good, more is always better. Well, let's think about this idea this morning that less is more. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 4, and we're going to read through verse number 6. If you need a Bible, you can find one in the seat uh, in front of you underneath there, and in those black Bibles, we're going to be on page 552 in Ecclesiastes. Page 552, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4. It says, Then I observed, and I'm going to pause right there for just a moment. Who's the I that's writing? Well, Solomon is the guy who's writing the book of Ecclesiastes. The word of God declares him to be the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon got to see a lot of things. Solomon got to do a lot of things. Solomon got to experience a lot of things. And God encouraged him, told him to write down his observations. And here's what he's saying that he observed in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless 
like chasing the wind. Did Solomon live like a few thousand years ago, or did he write this last year? Right? He said, I've just watched people. I've watched what they're going after and why they're going after it. And why they're going after all the stuff that they're trying to get is because they're watching other people and what they have. And that envy, that greed is driving them to do what they do. And he's something here to tell you, it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. And that's what a lot of our lives could be described like right now. Chasing the wind. Goes on in verse number five. Fools hold their idle hands excuse me, fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. What he's saying here in essence is that laziness is bad. Listen, if laziness is your thing, you are foolish. And if you're going to be wise, you're going to be willing to go the other way of laziness and you're going to be able to work hard. Verse number six, and yet, so he says laziness is bad in verse number six, and yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, verse number six, he talks about hard work here, almost kind of a negative connotation around hard work. I'll remind you that in verse number five, he said laziness is bad. And in verse number five, he is inferring that hard work is good. But what he's saying here, it's better to have one handful with quietness, peace, tranquility, sanity, than to have two handfuls working hard all the time and chasing the wind. You ask people how they're doing today. They might say something, well, both my hands are full, right? That's where this statement comes from. Today we've shortened it. We don't have time to say my hands are full. We say what? Busy. It's our number one response when we ask people how they're doing. How you doing? Busy. And that word busy just means so much. In other words, I don't have time to talk to you right now because I need to be there. I don't have time to be there because I need to be there. Go, 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 chasing the wind. Better is one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. So many people today are filled with financial worry. Some of you this morning struggle to really be focused in worship because you're actually worried about how you're going to pay this bill or how you're going to pay that bill. Some of you are far enough along that you're wondering if your phone's going to ring today about something that you owe. And we find ourselves living in fear, having panic, and as Solomon says here, chasing the wind. Overworked, overspent, and overwhelmed. And he says one handful is better than two. Why one handful? Because we can have quietness, we can have tranquility, we can have peace. Because if I have one handful and the other hand is free, if somebody needs a hand up, guess what I can do? I can give them a hand up. How many times are there moments that come along that you wish you could help, but you don't have the time, you don't have the space, you don't have the money to do what you wish you could do? That's what Solomon's saying here. If you've just got one handful, And not two, there's so much more that you can do and so much more that you can experience in life. So why does less of more matter? Okay, Why does less of more matter? Here's why. So we can experience more of what does matter. That's why less of more matters is so that we can experience more of what does matter. Um, I asked this question a few days ago on social media, and I said, hey, what matters the most to you? 
and a lot of people responded, okay? Tons of responses came in. Uh, nobody said to this question, nobody said, my really nice car. Nobody said, my big old house. Nobody said, my plush leather sofa. Nobody said, um, my hoverboard that I've been, you know, riding around on. You know, that hits some of you. Some of you are grown, you ride those things. That's pretty cool. Anyway, I don't know how you do that, but you didn't mention that one. Nobody said, man, there's so many followers of me on social media right now. That's not what anybody said. Aside from one person saying that they really were concerned and what really mattered to them were cabinet doors being closed. That was by mom, by the way. It was things like family, love, God, and such like. And so when you define what matters most and you figure out what matters to you more than anything else and I figured out what matters more to, to me than anyone else, man, we just got to pursue it and quit pursuing all this other stuff that does not matter. We tend to think that whatever I don't have is what I need because more is better. And today I just want you to know less is more. Again, if Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 6, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. So I want to give you three principles this morning. You can put them in your notes that I want you to consider this morning. The first one is this. I want you to consider cutting back. Cut back. What does it look like to cut back? What does it look like for me to go from two handfuls to one handful? Think about it for just a moment. How many closets do you have in your house? How many closets do you have in your house? you got to spend a little time, right? You don't have a quick answer on that, right? You just don't. I don't even know. I haven't even counted them up at my house. I don't know. Terry may know. Do you know? I don't know. But I can tell you this. They're all full. All of them are full. How many of you have a walk-in closet? All right, got a walk-in closet? We have a walk-in closet. How many got a walk-in closet? How many have a walk-around closet? Like eight laps means like a mile, all right? Some of you do, right? And what's it full of? It's full of stuff. Some of us, we can't fit all of our stuff in our closet, so we put it in our garage. What belongs in a garage? A car, okay? A car that probably most of us are paying way too much money for. Some of us, we go further than that, and we pay somebody else to store our stuff somewhere else. You know, that stuff that means so much to us, right? That stuff that's so dear to us. We put it in another place. We put it in a storage shed. All right? They make shows about stuff getting left in those, by the way. And the idea here is that we need to consider cutting back because less is more. Better one handful with quietness and peace and tranquility and sanity than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Look at Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15. Notice what Jesus says. Beware, be on guard. Be, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Can everybody just go, isn't that good to know? My life, my success, my legacy is not measured by how much that I own. He says, man, there's so much more that matters in this life than stuff. There's so much more that matters in this life beside, besides money. And Jesus said, beware, be on guard, because we get caught in this trap. We get caught on this wheel of just going after more and after more and after more. Now, sitting here in this setting, I think we all are smart, and we'd say, yes, we agree with that right here, right? Like, yes, we get that. 
But then we go out and we go home and we, we go back to doing our daily walk and our daily life and we forget it and we just go after more and we go after more and we go after more. Would you consider cutting back? Whatever that looks like. Cutting back on consuming whatever that is for you. Not eating it out so much. Maybe when you do go out to eat, not having the soda but having water. Not buying it just because it's on sale. And I know that's hard, isn't it? Man. And I, I'm a sucker for it too. I'm like, it's such a great deal. It'll never come around again. I need this so bad. That word sale just screams, you need this, right? What if we just said, you know what? I don't need it. It is a great deal. But I don't, I don't need that. What, what if you spent more of your time and energy in cutting back to say, you know what, that is a great deal. I, want, I don't want it to go waste. And you're paying attention more to the needs of others around you. And either you're making a phone call, not to somebody telling them what they do need, but knowing what they need and say, man, if you come down here right now, you can get a really good deal on this right now. Or making that purchase that's not a need that you have, but a need for somebody else so that you can give it to them. What would it look like for you to begin to cut back? What if we had less stuff and more friends? What if we had less stuff and more experiences with our families? In order to do this, we have to cut out. Number two, we need to clear out. We need to clear out. It's this idea of decluttering, getting rid of stuff, getting stuff out of our home. And it goes further than that, out of our hearts and out of our minds too. Some of you, you can't think straight and you can't focus on whatever it is you need to focus on that's important to you and that really matters because you've got so many things you've got to take care of because of all the things that you have. And if you begin to clear out, you begin to declutter, it could literally mean less stress for you, less choices to make, less distractions, less uh, freer hands. And free up our minds and our souls of so much stuff. I got a challenge for you. I got a challenge for you to consider getting rid of, getting rid of 100 things. 100. Write that number down. 100. Just a challenge for you. Get rid of 100 things. I don't care how you do it. You can sell it. You can give it away. You can throw it in the trash. Whatever it is for you. Get rid of 100 things. Some of you don't need to just be in the 100 club. Some of you need to be in the 1,000 club. Are you with me? And you know who you are? And you just got it piled up and stacked up. Uh, there's a certain person on our team that collects baseball cards, and he feels like when we talk about this, it's like hits him right there. But I assured him as his pastor, that's not clutter. Those are investments. I assured him those are investments, and he feels way better about it. Cut back and clear out. Some people get really creative with this idea. I knew of one family that moved from one city to another, and the husband said, hey, wife, kids, you go ahead, and I'll take care of moving. And he put on the truck what thought needed to be on the truck and didn't put on the truck what didn't need to be on the truck. And when they got there, the family had a nice surprise to find out what still came. Whatever it takes for you to clear out and still be married. By the way, that, by the way, that couple's still happily married. As far as I know, they're happily married. But whatever it takes for you to get serious about this and just to declutter, okay? Maybe you want to use this idea. Every time you get something, give something away, okay? Maybe it's as simple as you get a new shirt, you, you give a shirt away, okay? You get a pair of pants, you give a pair of pants away. You get some underwear, well, don't do it with underwear. All right, number three. <laughs> number three, pay off. Pay off. There's some of you in this room that this, this, these two words excite you and you're tenacious right now and you're on track and or you are there. And there's others in this room, they're like, pay off, pay off what? All of it? What are you talking about? Pay off. Like, 
and this just overwhelms you, I just want to encourage you to know that a lot of people are making hard choices so that they can pay off what they owe so they don't owe anybody ever again. How do we do this? Well, it's certainly by not doing what we've always been doing. You're going to have to do things differently. Again, financial stress, man, it gets to our souls. It messes with us. We mentioned this earlier, and we're going to talk about it even a little bit more. Still today, year after year after year, finances, money, and the stress that comes with it is the number one reason why marriages don't make it. And it just creates all the stress, especially when you have debt, that you wonder if you can pay or not. I've never had a single person come to my office and say, man, my debt, my debt just makes me feel so good. Every time I look at my credit card rate, it just makes me smile. And when I think about, man, this month I was able to make the minimum payment. Boom, killing it. No, no. It's just the opposite. People come in and they're overwhelmed and they're strapped and it's wearing them out. It's why we've got to figure out and work hard towards paying it off. Some of you right now um, have uh, been through in the recent past uh, a course that we offered our church called Financial Peace University. In fact, that's happening right now as we speak in one of our classrooms. Financial peace is something that we offer on a regular basis at our church. It helps you learn basic financial tools and principles that you can use in uh, going forward in your finances. Things like how to get on a budget, how to stay on a budget, and how to pay things off. And so when I say pay off, I'm not just saying, hey, go figure it out on your own because most of us aren't capable of figuring it out on our own. We're just not. We need some help. And so for those of you that have gone through Financial Peace University, re-engage in what you've learned there. For those of you that have never done something like that and you're thinking, man, I need that, just know that that's offered and we want to encourage you to be a part of that very thing. Again, what if we just got crazy, all of us? We got crazy. And we said, let's see what it feels like to not be overwhelmed in debt. To do whatever we've got to do to quit spending so much, to quit wasting things away, and to start paying things off and to start heading in a different direction. Better is one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Better is a car that's paid off than a brand new one with really big payments that stress you out. And if you want to hear a funny, just because it happened this morning, we have one car that's paid off and we have one car that we're paying for right now. It's where we are. Guess which one didn't start this morning? Not the one that was made in 2000. It was the other one. Just kind of funny, right? How about this? Better is a small house than fighting over the payments of a really big one. Better to have financial margin and to be able to help others than living paycheck to paycheck. So we want to encourage you to consider cutting back, clearing out, and paying off. As you consider these three, which one do you really need to focus on right now? Which one is it for you? Uh, it may need to be all three, but all three could be overwhelming. Which one is it right now that just over the next few weeks, you just really need to say, you know what, that's where I'm going to zone in. 
I'm, I'm going to start cutting back. I'm not going to eat out as much. I'm going to stop going to finding the sales all the time. Whatever that looks like for you for cutting back, okay? I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's, it's deleting an app on your phone that's constantly telling you you need, you need, you need. How do you need to cut back? For some of you, clearing out, again, getting rid of those 100 things or a few thousand things, uh, clearing out. What does that look like for you? And maybe for you it's pay off. Maybe it's pay off. Circle which one and decide which one it is for you that you really need to go after really, really hard. Now, as we talk about this, I think a lot of people naturally just kind of, oh, is he saying that I have nice things and I shouldn't have nice things? I'm not saying you shouldn't have nice things. I'm just saying you ought to have nice things that you can truly enjoy, okay? And some of you have a bunch of nice things that you can't afford and you can't enjoy them. And so I want to encourage you to head in a different direction and having things that are nice, but things that you can enjoy, having a hand free to serve, to love, to help, to do things for other people. The richest people in the world are not those that have the most, but those that need the least. Listen, guys, this thing's called life, and we have one shot at it, just one. You get one life. You get one life. Um, not long ago, a gentleman sitting right back there, Donald Davis, he turned 90 years old. He turned 90, and we asked him, we said, man, yeah, you clap for that. 90's like, yeah, you clap for 90. <laughs> I look at him. And we said, man, how's it, how does it feel to be 90? And he said, I can tell you this. He said it seemed like it took forever to turn 21. He said, but 90, he said it came like, it came like that, right? Life flies, this is the only shot we've got, right? So what are we doing with it? What are we doing with the blessings that God's giving us? What are we doing with the finances that God is giving us? What are we doing with the people that God's given us? Uh, I, I'm recognizing this more every day, and those of you that are ahead of me in life, I appreciate you reminding me of it all the time. You remind me all the time that my kids are going to be grown just like that, and they will be. They drive us crazy sometimes, but this, these are the moments, right? If your kids are at home right now, you get one shot. You get one shot. Are you chasing the wind? Or are you being together and, and, and doing what matters most with your finances? How are you spending them? Because you only get one shot. Figure out what matters most to you and forget the rest. Better to have an incredible relationship with my kids than to have two handfuls of stuff and not know them. Better to have what matters and relationships with friends than having two handfuls and no spiritual community. Life is short. As we think about this life being short, one of these days this life is going to be over. And as we read scripture, we realize that in scripture, one of these days we're all going to stand before God. Okay? And I just don't think that we're going to have the courage at that moment to say, Hey God. Look at all my stuff. I just don't think that's how that conversation's going to go. Hey, God, look at all these things that I earned. Look at all these things I bought. Look at all these things I had. I just don't think that's how that conversation's going to go. In fact, I know how the conversation's going to go. God's going to quickly say to you, what did you do with my son Jesus? You know, the one who paid for all of your sin. Look at Romans um, chapter 3. It's going to come on the screen here for you. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter how much stuff we have, this is truth. 
No matter where we came from, this is truth. No matter what we've done, this is truth. The way that we are made right with God and we're going to spend eternity with God is through Jesus Christ who died for our sins, who came back from the dead after paying for our sins and loves us and wants to enter into right relationship with us when we place our faith in him. Talking about something that will change your life. Listen, I think when you start getting focused biblically with your finances, it will change your life. But greater than that this morning, we want you to know that when you experience a relationship with Jesus, it will change your life. And we want you to experience him today. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And um, I just want you to know that you have an opportunity to respond this morning. Uh, there are going to be people in both corners on your way out in the back this morning. And you can go talk to them. Pray with them. They can, they can guide you and counsel you in God's word. Maybe this morning you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ for him to become your Lord and Savior and for you to be made right with God. They'd love to lead you in doing that if you need that. Maybe for you, just like, hey, man, I just need some more financial direction. Can you pray over me that I'll have wisdom in that? They'd love to pray over you in that as well. Let me pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you so much for your word, which is truth. You talk to us about so many different things in life and scripture. Help us not to say, well, I want to know about this part, but I don't want to know about that part. You talk about money a lot in scripture, God. I pray that we, your people, your followers would say, okay, God, what's your plan? I'm willing to do your plan. What do you want me to do? How do you view this thing of finances? What should I do with them? Father, I pray that we'd have the wisdom to do that. For those in the room that need to cut back, I pray that they would. For those in the room that need to clear out, I pray that they would. For those in the room that need to pay, pray, pay off, I pray that they would. And Father, for those in the room that need to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.